welcome to the Business Success Club. I want to say welcome, and you are in for a treat in this group. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. And on this podcast, what we really want to establish is this. How do hardworking entrepreneurs build profitable and scalable businesses whilst having the freedom and balance to do the other things they love? like family, vacations, sports, fun, adventures, and charity. So let's tune into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Business Success Show with me, Mac Atram. And today we have a very special guest all the way from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And I know we have a lot of Malaysians listening in right now. So tune in, listen to what he has to say. Now, this gentleman, his name is Anwar Jumaboy, and he has over 40 years of experience in business and in management. And one of the things that caught my eye, and reason why I wanted to interview and have a conversation with Anwar is this. He says, you do not have to be an entrepreneur. So you don't have to own a business to be an entrepreneur. Let me correct that. You do not have to own a business to be an entrepreneur. Now, listen very carefully. If you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a corporate executive, if you are working as an employee, listen to what this gentleman has to say. And he's the author of the book, and which he's gonna tell us about at the moment, which is about entrepreneurism. And so I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation right now. Anwar, welcome to the Business Success Show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what's led you to do what you do. Thanks, Mac, for having me on this show. And I'm, uh, it's really interesting to have, and you know, the way that exchanges have also moved, right? So we, we no longer want to have canned content and people want to know about other people and how they get there. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, the journey, so I, I, I worked for a number of years and in a shipyard. And in fact, I worked in two shipyards, one in the UK and then one in Singapore. Was that Newcastle, and then I went. Yeah, in Newcastle on time, okay, you know, and, okay. and uh, up north when it was uh, the Margaret Thatcher years. So oh, wow. uh, a lot of resentment um, from the people working there against the government, which didn't make sense to me. You know, I mean, but, you know, I came from Malaysia where if you don't work, you don't earn. The state doesn't support you. True. And go to the UK and suddenly if you don't work and you don't earn and you don't want to take a job, the state supports you. So that was a bit of a culture shock for me. But, you know, so I, I, I worked and then I... I had another phase where I tried to start a couple of businesses and, uh, and, and, you know, all of them went bust. And so I went to work, started a business, I went back to work, I started a business and went back to work. So, you know, I had the experience of losing money. And, and then I ended up working for an entrepreneurial company. And, you know, that's where I ended up. So I fell in love with entrepreneurship and I saw it from being entrepreneurial in an organization, from being an entrepreneur and from working with entrepreneurs. Mm. And it seemed to me that entrepreneurship is really the root of all management practice. You know, throw away all these models, these, uh, you know, that people tell you, draw this grid, draw that grid. <laughs> Do what makes sense. Go back to your roots and everybody is an entrepreneur. It's How just that with a lot of organizations, you know, when you join the organization, they actually would like to hire robots, but they can't get robots, so they end up with people. Right. And go. they tell these people, please park your entrepreneurship outside. When mm. you come and work for me, just do what I tell you. Go figure. But, why should I work? Why should I work for you? Exactly. Well, okay. Whilst we're talking about this, because well, I think it's a great, great topic, entrepreneurism. 
How would you define what an entrepreneur is? What's the definition of an entrepreneur? You see, the, the problem is that when you get into a definition, yeah. I, my definition is very simple. Okay. Entrepreneurs are not different people. They just do things differently. And anybody who does things differently is an entrepreneur. Right. And we do different things in our whole life. We're born entrepreneurial. You know, we take risks. We have passions. We follow. We learn. And it all stops. It seems like it stops when we go to work for an organization. So I tell organizations when I speak to them that if you behave this way, you're not going to be able to hire the people that matter, that count, that are going to build your business. You're going to end up with pseudo, pseudo robots. Mm. How is it going to end for you? Not well, I don't think. And what's the problem for, with that for organizations who want to hire A-grade students, people who are just going to be told what to do and they'll just follow through? As a corporate, uh, as a corporate culture or company culture or, as a, or a business trying to grow, what's the key problem with that? You see, a lot of these organizations suffer from being so focused on process. They look back and something went wrong about, you know, 300 years ago. I'm, I'm just kidding. Something yeah. went wrong maybe three years ago, right? Yeah. So, so they implement some rule, right? Then something went wrong five years ago and then they still implement that rule, right? And then they have a process to present information and manage their people, which is 10 years old. Right. They never really looked at, you know, how can technology help? So they've got all this baggage. And then they've got people who say, if I don't do this, I might not have a job. So let me make sure everybody does this. So they have what I call custodians of procedure. Now, these guys had legitimate reason to be there. But the custodians of procedure end up, what do they do? They, they handcuff you. Mm. And, and these guys sit in finance department, in HR department, in legal. And they, they all, all they try and tell you is you can't do this. And you ask why. And they say it's because it's against the procedure. I'm like, but won't we build better customer service? Won't we have more clients? Won't we be get better room rates? Yeah, yeah, but that's not my, my job. My job is just to make sure you don't do this and don't do it this way. I mean, and, and, and you know, young people, they have so many choices. It's yeah. so easy today to start a business. And yeah. there are so many businesses I know in the last 12 months that have raised money from people they've never even seen, met, or had a coffee with. Just because of figure. the entrepreneurial approach. Exactly. No, and, and because there's so much money out there looking to back the right people that there are so many opportunities for young, bright people to start a business. And mm. these are the same people you need to hire because if you don't hire them, they'll either start a business or they'll end up working for your competitor or they'll compete with you. Right. And, you know, all this nonsense, you know, a lot of these companies get stuck in this hiring trap, right? What I call a boxed world. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, they sit in this boxed world and because you don't have, and, you know, they have this sort of boxed world, right? Because you don't have a degree, yeah. you don't have this, so I can't hire you, mm. right? And, and somebody who goes through life learning like this with no limits <coughs> may not have a degree. Yeah. But you can't be bothered to find out whether they can do the job or not. So you say, oh, I only can hire from inside the box. So what's going to happen over a period of time? You're going to, how many people are in the box? Not many. Uh -huh. so, so, yeah, I, I, I hear your point. And you are disrupting the management, the leadership, the corporate world with your thinking. It's fresh. It's a fresh approach, which is fantastic. And you, are, you wrote the book. And I know there are nine entrepreneurisms, you call it. 
Can you run through some of them or all of them with us? What are those nine entrepreneurisms that people should adopt, whether they're working as an entrepreneur okay. or they are a corporate person? So we, we came up with nine after doing some research and about 100 interviews. And that was what went into the book. Okay. And so we came up with nine traits. You know, for, for want of a better word, people say it's a trait. It's not. It's a practice. Right. Right. It's like you talk about discipline, balance. Were you born with balance? No. Mm. But you strove to achieve it and you got it because it's a discipline, right? Exactly. And, and you didn't have to go to university to teach to learn this. You just understood that this was important and you set yourself up, right? Sure. So these are nine practices that entrepreneurs have. And it starts with the first three, which are most commonly associated with entrepreneurs, which is self-efficacy, risk-taking, and passion. What are you good at? Really good at? You have to understand that both as a company and as an individual, because that's really your core, right? What are you good at? What are you good the at? The second is risk-taking. We all take risks. We take risks when we buy a share. We take risks when we cross the street. We take risks when we sit in a car. We all take risks, right? So but learn how to take risks around your area of expertise and, and experiment, right? Yeah. So risk, and the, and the third is passion. Now, entrepreneurs are lucky because it's passion that drove them to do something and they built their business and everybody that works for them is passionate. Right. Companies have a different problem. They get parachuted in with a whole bunch of people and the leaders there don't think that they need to develop passion, purpose. It's all one in, in one and the same thing, right? Where do you get passion from, right? Right. So when I worked in, 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 in Tune Hotel, which is a budget hotel, we thought very hard about why do, why do we exist? How do we get people who are passionate about the causes? Why do we build rooms this way? Why do we operate this way? We want that same passion in the people that work for us. And we, we did it. So, you know, normal businesses, everybody, everyday businesses can do it. So it's self-efficacy, risk-taking, and passion being the first three. Okay. The, second th the, the second three are innovation, opportunism, and uh, learning, right? So opportunism, okay. uh, innovation, and, and learning because... Sorry, big one. Innovation, opportunism, and learning. You might have to cut that out. It's uh, innovation, opportunism, and, and learning. And these three go together because you have to be opportunistic. And, and entrepreneurs, you know, by nature, are opportunistic. Companies are so worried. And sometimes companies don't do stuff because it's not in their KPI or the mm. boss the boss, you know, doesn't get paid for doing this, right? So they're afraid to risk a little bit. But it's, not measurable. it's not measurable. So they can't. Well, and, and they're, they're so, you know, they know that they do what they did yesterday. Yeah. They won't get into trouble. Right. But I, I, I tell companies, look at the photograph of yours from five years ago. You don't look the same. True. Look at your hair. I mean, my hair has grown since the pandemic. But yeah. look at your fingernail. It, it, it's moving, it's changing, but, but why do you think tomorrow will be the same as yesterday? It, it won't be, right? right? So op innovation, opportunism, and, and learning, because yeah. you've got to learn, right? As you experiment, you try, you, and we all learn, right? Sure. We learn on Zoom, not to say good morning, good afternoon, because we don't know where you're listening from. So we say hello. Hello, that's right. That's very true. Right? And so, and what the pandemic has said is that you will change, you will learn. And in that's natural, right? The last three are realism, persuasion, and execution. Execution is something everybody knows. If you can't mm -hmm. execute, as you say for yourself, 
you know, if you want that balance, but you don't strive for it, you have to execute. So yeah. in a nutshell, I mean, I was, I was maybe a little quick, but those are the nine entrepreneurisms. The main thing I want to tell people is think about being natural. Mm-hmm. What would you do in this situation? Don't ask people to dig holes and fill them up. I mean, that's being disrespectful. Right. But yeah. a lot of organizations get people to do stuff which, you know, they know it makes no sense. And they're telling the boss, it's a, boss, boss, it's bad. There's a better way of doing it. As boss There's is saying, no, no, please don't tell me. <laughs> so, you know, the, the challenge, what you're saying makes absolute sense. And I'll say the challenge for some HR departments or some managers of departments when they've got to recruit is they recruiting on an old fashioned way of doing things. How many degrees has this person got? Whatever, whatever. Rather than can this person do the role based on their experience, their background, their abilities, their talents, the skills they have, what they've been through. That's right. uh, I remember I was hiring for one of our companies, I was hiring for a role. And exactly, I went where you just said, and I wanted someone with an entrepreneurial background. And this person, yes. she had, I think her and her husband had just closed the business. She just wanted to, you know, have something part time so she can look after the kids. But yep. she's got the background of entrepreneurism. So for me, it's perfect because I want someone who can think out of the box, take action, be intuitive and be be innovative rather yes. than waiting for me to tell them. So how, yep. do, how do, can companies, managers, HR departments, CEOs recruit talent like that? Is it easy to, to do or not? You see, you're asking two questions. So one is how do you find the talent? And second right. is how do you recruit the talent, right? Mm-hmm. So the talent is there. Let's 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 be very clear. Look at the number of startups that have formed. I mean, Zoom, we're using Zoom and look at Zoom, right? Zoom is created by Eric Yuan, who yeah. worked for a small company called WebEx, which was acquired by Cisco. Right. Right. So he, he went to the Silicon Valley, I think in uh, 79 or something like that, or no, not 79, 97 or something, and then worked for uh, WebEx. WebEx was acquired by Cisco. Mm-hmm. And he kept telling Cisco that, you know, Let's start a simple product because this is wonderful. Zoom, you know, for enterprise customers, it's got yeah. all the safety features, the security, everything. Cisco said, no, no, no. It doesn't fit with what our customer wants. Wow. Today, Zoom is probably worth half of what Cisco is worth. And they have one product. One product. And Cisco yeah. has a whole spectrum of products, right? Yeah. So the point is that these people exist. Many of these people are actually working for other people now. Okay. But they're getting to the point of frustration, so they're leaving. If you want to hire these people, it's not about beanbags and lounges and pool tables. It's about how willing are you to try something new? Is your culture in your organization allowing people to try? Is it allowing people to make mistakes? Is it allowing people to experiment? Because that's what people want. Mm -hmm. You know, and especially young people today, you know, in the old days, you hire somebody and you show them a, a, a progression, right? You're going to start here, then start here, then you become a manager. So, you know, progression and power were two important things, right? Okay. How you progress and the power that you have over people. Yeah. Today, both things are important, but the P, the, the P word has changed. So instead of progression, people want the purpose. Yes. What is the purpose of this organization? Mm-hmm. Right? They want to buy into that. They want to know what it is. And instead of power over people, 
they want the power to do things. Right. So if you have an HR department that's still selling this, you know, work for me for 10 years and, and Mac, you become a manager and then you become a super manager. Hey, I'm not interested in that. So why are you selling it to me? Sell me how flexible your organization is going to be. Sell me how good, how well you give feedback. Right. You know, sell me these kind of things. Why do you exist? Mm. So HR departments are stuck with just process. Yes. Yes. I and, see. And, and process today is not going to hire talented people. Yeah. And it's a fast changing world as we've, we've gathered, as we know, you know, it's very fast. Things are changing. And you're saying the talent is already out there. We've just got to identify them. Share the purpose. Why does this purpose exist? In other exactly. words, what I'm hearing, Anwar, is saying, I, I want fulfillment, not just from salary. I want fulfillment and joy in what I do. And is yes. it making a difference? Is that what we're saying? Exactly. And Mac, it's exactly what you speak to, right? So the joy of what you're doing. It's not about the beanbag and the latte and the pool table. It's about the joy of what you're doing. And today, you know, organizations have become so dispersed. Yeah. That... They don't work in the same room. They don't even work in the same town. True. And if you're stuck to hiring people with this degree and they must do this and they must work and, and, and I'm going to pay them because I can see them from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. I mean, that's silly, right? And, and you're paying somebody because awesome. you can see them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's old school now as the last two years during this lockdown situations has proven. That That's right. Not everyone needs to be in the same location for a business to exist. And, and, it, and, you know, people have been so afraid of doing work from home. Yeah. Hey, everybody pivoted to work from home. Yeah. I mean, there was no you know, choice. employees have been asking for this for a number of years. Mm. And employer, employers and bosses have said, no way, no way, no can do. I mean, there's a company, very successful company up north from me in, in Penang in, uh, in, called PictoChart run by a, a lovely couple. They remotely work. Right. They are now working four days a week. That's it. Oh. They have customers all over the world. Yeah. So there, there's some effort in scheduling, you know, how you work the four days. But they work a four-day week. And they work from home. Now, if you want to recruit the people that work for her at PictoChart, hey, you got to be as good as her company Mm. Or better. So if you still want to hire people and they have to clock in and they have to come in at nine and leave at five, you're not going to get these people. No. And, and why, do, why do companies do this? Is because they don't know what the output is. So the only parameter they have to pay you with is how many hours you work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't even know how many hours you work. They just know how many hours you're there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Anwar, thanks for such great insights here. There's... Um, acronym that you um, coined, VUCA, V-U-C-A. Yes. And I want to tap into that. Um, sure. Obviously, we live in this, uh, as we've seen in the last couple of years, very uncertain times, very unpredictable times. Tell right. us about VUCA, V-U-C. Am I saying it right, VUCA? You are, it? Well, are you, you, yeah, I mean, some people say VUCA and some people say VACA, but okay. anyway, whichever way you say it, right? So this sure. was this term was developed by the US military in response to um, a situation where they realized that they were gathering the information about an operation in, in Iraq, and then they were telling their people what needs to be done. And then they were instructing their, their field officers to execute. 
Right. And they realize two problems. One is they're not collecting the right information. Two, the situation is changing in between them receiving and thinking about it. And so they realize that if you want to manage in a fast-paced environment, you need to allow flexibility to the people at the ground, right? Okay. And Colin, Colin Powell, who was, uh, who was Joint Chief of Staff, right? Yeah. He said, you know, in the military, we now spend 30% of our time giving the directive to our, our subordinates. And then they have 70% of time left to think about how are they going to execute? Okay. And you just saw two, you know, you just saw a few weeks ago in Afghanistan, right? Yeah, I saw that. All the planning, you know, they're going to give us so many days to leave and the, uh, and the, and the army is going to stay intact. You know, what happened? 24 hours later, oh everybody took all the army, took off the uniform. Yeah. They, and and what did, what, what's the arsenal that, that U.S. military left behind? It's, 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 it's tragedy, right? It's a, a disaster. I mean, it's a disaster. Yeah. It's a disaster. Yeah. Because... Yeah. I don't know. There's somewhere along the line, the information chain gets broken. Mm-hmm. And if you have a centrally pr- planned economy and you expect only one brain at the top or to think about things and, and, and everybody else's role is to collect, you're going to get disaster. Absolutely. So and, FUPA and stands for what? The, volatile, the... uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Volatile. So that's VUCA. Okay. And, and, and one, of the, one of the professors that we interviewed for the book added an H which is hyperconnected. So not only are we not only are we VUCA, but we're also hyperconnected. Hyperconnected. And in, in terms of what? In terms of technology, in terms of Yeah, in terms in technology, people, you know, what the pandemic has done is that it's it's increased our ability to connect with people. Right. Be, be, and it's removed the proximity advantage that was there. Right. Yeah. So pre, pre previous so previously. If you wanted to have a meeting with somebody, chances are first you'd, you'd, you'd have a coffee or you'd mm-hmm. drop by their office, right? And you'd build this relationship and then you would talk about business. Mm. So the people who are near the customers had an advantage. Today, that advantage is gone because whether you live three doors away or 3,000 miles away, you're both yeah. the same. True. And so it's, it's done two things, right? It's allowed your ability to hire people you can't see or, or work in the same town with, mm-hmm. but it's also allowed businesses to hire other people other than from that town. True. Very true. And, and, you know, if you look in the long term, what's going to happen, right? You can't protect employment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are countries going to do? What's the sense of a work permit? If, I, if you don't have to come and work in that country, you can work from anywhere you want. So yeah. how a company, you know, I mean, the whole this EU thing, right? It affects physical labor, but that's it. That's it. Yeah, true. True. Everybody else, it doesn't really matter whether you're in the EU or out of the EU. You, you can still be a supplier. You can still be, you know, a resource. So, yeah, great points there. So, Anwar, let me ask you this. As a, as a leader, whether you're in corporate, whether it's in your own company, how can one be a better leader based on those nine entrepreneurisms or the VUCA uh, method that you mentioned? How can one be a better leader based on all the things that we've okay. been discussing just now? So this is, this it gets a little complicated here, right? So you have the nine practices, yeah. which you have to decide to adopt at different stages, right? So 
For example, realism and opportunism are at opposite ends, right? So there are periods where you need to be opportunistic. There are other periods where you need to be realistic. Right. Right. So the nine are, are, are sort of practices that you have. What's the value system? And, you know, Matthew, talk about the value system. The value system is very simple. If you want results, mm-hmm. I have three R's. Recognize, respect, reward. Okay. Recognize who, who has the job to do. Yeah. Right. Recognize them. Like if I'm front office and I'm facing the customer, recognize that I'm the boss. Yeah. Not the person who is in HR or finance or audit or legal. Right. I'm boss because I deal with the customer. So recognize that. And a lot of times you've got to move the organization away from him. You know, because organizations stop him from doing things. So you have to recognize and respect him. Mm -hmm. If he says that this needs to be done, then you need to look at it seriously. And a lot of organizations, I mean, I, I had to pull back, you know, when I worked at Tunotel, I had to pull back our finance department because they kept pinging the managers and asking, you know, why did you spend this 200 pounds? And why did you spend this? Hello. Mm. Is that his job? Is you're trying to look busy? That's not his job. And then because it appeared on a PL last month, you sort of zero and <laughs> ask him, how is he dealing with customers? Because the more time he spent dealing with customers, the better the room rate is going to be. And the better the room rate is going to be, the better the revenue is going to be. You're not going to increase revenue by chasing down 200 and 300 pounds. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have that recognized respect and then reward him. Sometimes the reward, it doesn't, rewards don't have to be monetary. Right. They can have value, but they don't have to be monetary. Right. So in Tune Hotel, we implemented very simple bonus schemes. So we allocate a certain amount of money to the, each hotel. And we worked with the hotel manager and said, okay, for the next three months, this is our priority. And this is a pot of money that you can give. And the next three months, we'll change it. And then we, right. we you know, so it could be customer service being the first three months, it could be room cleanliness, mm. and then reward the people and, and keep move, keep it moving. Wow. So, so and, and then the other reward can also be, hey, you get an extra day off. Yeah, I'm sure they'll appreciate that, the employees. So yeah, you know, absolutely. And, you, you have shift schedules. You can always find a way where you can, you know, give some time off. Or, or the reward is in Kentucky vouchers. Or the reward is in just recognizing the fact, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen carefully. I mean, Anwar, golden nuggets here. And you're listening to Anwar Jumaboy. And he is an author. He's a speaker. He's a trainer. He does keynotes. He helps leaders. He helps entrepreneurs. He has a saying, and I love this. He says, you must think like an entrepreneur, manage like an entrepreneur, lead like an entrepreneur, sell like an entrepreneur, hire people like an entrepreneur, and above all, work like an entrepreneur. That means you're going to get better results because it's been more innovative. It's been doing things more on purpose. It has meaning. Your team will be more fulfilled. That's what he's saying here, and I love I love all this. And one of the, tell me something because uh, I, I you know I've done a lot of research on you, and you coined something called the band aid solution. You know, some people yes. just want to put a plaster on it rather than get into the roots of what the real problem is. Yeah, is there right. anything you want to expand on that? So you know, I, I I had a manager who was having a problem with one of his staff. And, you know, every day he'd come in and he'd complain about this, right? So I, I said to John, if Samantha is not doing this, there's only two reasons. One is she doesn't understand what you are trying to get her to do. 
or could be a third reason. She wants to just piss you off. Mm, or or yeah. she doesn't know how to do it. And rather than complain, why don't you sit down and spend the day with Samantha and just get it done? Right? So, mm. you know, we, we tend to have the band, you know, to your point on Band-Aid, I mean, we tend to have this, oh, let's implement this um, Six Sigma or let's implement this other, I mean... Latest. You don't need thing. all these names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before any of these names were created, entrepreneurs existed. Entrepreneurs built the businesses. Yeah. And look at all the all the success stories that we have. They didn't go to management school. Yeah. True. True. They just did what made sense. Yeah. And entrepreneurs, you know, as you well know, entrepreneurs, you don't sell, you have no money. You have no money, you can't pay you can't pay people. And you can't blame anybody else. Yeah. In an organization, you can always blame somebody else. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. let me ask so, you this. Solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, you cannot blame anybody There's else. There's no one. Look in the mirror and say, you screwed up bad. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> and you've got to take it on the chin and go again the next day. Go again the next day. So within an organization, can you're saying anyone, well, can anyone be, an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, yes, in, of course. In an organization. Of course, of course. Because you've got, to, you've got to focus you know, on what you can do. People get stuck on what they can't do. And so when there I talk are to some people, I do... Yeah, there no, are I mean, some... Talk to, yeah, sorry, we, we're crossing. But, you know, when I talk to people and I and I do some coaching sessions, you know, they always focus on, I can't do this because of this. I can't do this. Right. Let's put that aside. Mm. Right? We won't even get into why you think you can't. Let's just focus on the two or three things that you can. Are you finding a purpose for the people that work for you? Mm. There's no rule that says you can't do that. True. Are you making it more enjoyable for the people that work for you? There's no rule that says you can't do that. So there are many things that you can do. Right. Are you allowing them to try new ways of doing things? There's no rule that says you can't do that. Mm. You know, so, so we, we sort of get hung up on we want this big, I don't know, wand, magic wand to come and transform the company. It's like, it's like governments, right? And people, you know, people complain about the government all the time, but they won't change their little behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. They won't park in the right place. They won't drive according to the speed limit. They won't litter. They won't wear masks. They won't get vaccinated, but they want the government to be changed. Right. They won't change their habits, but they want someone else to change. I get it. So what we're saying here, Amram, what I'm hearing you say if you're a manager within a company, if you're a leader within a company, think and behave like an entrepreneur. You'll get better yes. results. That's what we're saying, right? Exactly right. And get to grips with why, why does your company exist? Yeah. You know, and that's very easy for, for smaller companies. It's harder for larger ones. Yeah. But if you work at it, there is a reason why you exist. And you help companies also to discover what the purpose of that company is, what the mission of that company is. Why does it exist, I believe? Is that exactly, right? exactly. And right. it's, it's not a difficult conversation. It just takes a little bit of time to yeah. explore and you'll find it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been a great conversation here, Anwar. Anwar, for those who want to learn more from you or contact you or connect with you, what's the best and easiest way for them to do that? I think LinkedIn is probably easiest or my website. And I, I think if you if you share that at the end, right, uh, that sure. would be great. So anwarjimaboy.com. Yeah, I will, we'll put that link up as well so that um, people can connect with you. And I'll say it's, it's, uh, it's been a fascinating conversation here. 
And not many people think in that respect. And I would say this, that um, there was many years ago when I was teaching corporates and I used to use the term intrapreneur. Yes. So an intrapreneur would be someone who works within an organization, but thinking like an entrepreneur in order to get much better results. And guess what? If you behave like an entrepreneur and you will be the first to get promoted, you'll be the first one to get a pay rise. You'll be the last one to be sacked. Why? Because you are making a difference. You're not a robot. Exactly. You're not just coming in, clocking in, clocking out, but you're actually giving solutions, ideas, suggestions, making a difference. So I love what you are saying there. It's in line of how I think as well. And I'm sure our listeners will love that. Any final words, Anwar, before we say bye for now? Entrepreneurs are not different people. They just do things differently. You can too. You can too. You heard it from Anwar Jumaboy. Check him out. Anwarjumaboy.com. All the way from Malaysia, having worked all around the world, including Switzerland and the UK and all these different places. He has a wealth of knowledge over 40 years experience in business and management. Check him out. Until we speak again, God bless. Much love. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep growing your businesses. Reach out to me if I can help as well. Bye for now. Take care. And Anwar, thank you for being here. And I'll catch up with you very, very soon. Thank you. Cheers, Mike. You're welcome.